about uh, gospel ministry that transforms. And it's said that very few ideas truly transform life. Transformation gets talked about quite a lot, but in in the cold light of day, what what in actual fact is transformation? What what in actual fact transforms our life? We're going to use this. No forward one. Got a picture there of um, Leonardo da Vinci's uh, picture of flight, uh, how he saw flight uh, many centuries before people actually flew. Uh, the invention of the wheel, oh, I don't know if that's transformational or, or that's uh, progress. The other one's uh, Copernicus, and, and this was probably a, a, a true transformation that he, he saw that the Earth wasn't the centre of everything, but the sun was, that we lived in a solar system and the earth rotated around the sun. There are countless predictions of change in many areas of life going on, but what about transformation? And how, how should a Christian understand and judge transformation? So today I'm looking mostly at Paul's uh, second letter to the Corinthians. And, and some background, uh, because Paul up against the Corinthians uh, doesn't really look like a, a place that you'd, you'd go to, to to look at transformation and how that is lived out. I've forgotten how I do this. Is it that one? <laughs> yeah. So Paul was a a missionary pastor and he's coming up to his third visit to Corinth. So that's a picture of his third uh, journey. He went on three journeys and he left Corinth and he he went round the the known world and he came back to Corinth. And it was a prickly relationship. Always for them it was who who is this Paul and uh, when is he coming back? Um, There was... Some disappointment with him. Uh, Why is he not coming sooner? Um, Why is he absent from us when we have these needs? And even when he was coming, they they were anticipating him coming and saying, well, he's he's timid in this way, he's strong in this way, he's a powerful writer, but he doesn't speak in an eloquent way. So he'd come two visits to them with, with difficulties, but they'd been through a lot and he'd made some progress as well. So this uh, letter to the Corinthians, they may have expected more of the same, just going over what the problems were. But the, the surprising thing is he starts from comfort. He starts from deep comfort and he, he starts from all of God's comfort. And, and as he comes towards them, he's, he's affectionate, he's engaging, he's hopeful, he's merciful. And what, what I believe is between his second and his third visit that he, he, Paul had experienced a, a deep transformation in his life. And the time away was a personal time of, of life change for him. And so he comes with new hopes for, for ministry with them. 
and, and we'll get to, to that a bit later. But e even though the expectations of the Corinthians were, were mixed, need to understand, or they needed to understand, that it wasn't the same Paul that was coming to meet them now than, than the one who had left before. And he, he's speaking them, to them in a whole different way. The word of transformation is not new to this letter. What is new is how Paul sees transformation coming through comfort, through reconciliation, through generosity and sacrifice, and then in working through personal difficulties. I'd like to read just some of the passages that he speaks about the transforming use of the gospel. The first one comes from the first letter and he speaks of a, a transformation in, in the face of death. Uh, and he says in chapter 15, listen, I tell you a mystery, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. And then coming into this letter, as, as I said, he begins with comfort. So in chapter 1, at verse 3, these are really his first words to them. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. And then in, in chapter 5, at verse 16, he talks about reconciliation. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, or there is a new world. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the message or the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And another area of, of transformation was in the giving. He, he spends a, a few chapters speaking about the, the giving project at, at Corinth and other places. In chapter 8 and verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. <coughs> and, and then the passage I want to focus on today that was read to us before. So Paul considers his strengths and then his weaknesses and, and he hears God say to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness.
I was just reading through my notes, and this next line really stood out to me, that, that through comfort and restored relationships, through sacrifice and personal struggle, a new world is given. All comfort is there, all gifts are manifest, all difficulties are encountered, and all ministry of the gospel begins. And, and this is the line of transformation in the gospel of Jesus. It's not just a message, but it's, it's a hope of a transformed life lived with God. And we are called into it to, to live in the grace of God and to be transformed together into the likeness of God. This week I was at camp with uh, some grade three to five kids, about 60 kids, and Stan and Margaret's granddaughter was the leader there. And our study was uh, on Joseph from the book of Genesis. And the kids were able to, to follow the story very well and, and to, to learn it every day as we built it up and um, kept going. It was narrated, uh, the story, and, and they were the actors. They got up and acted out uh, the story of Joseph. And it's a truly transformational story. It starts out with the enmity between Joseph and his brothers and that's partly because their dad favoured Joseph, not the brothers, and also that Joseph had this dream and he dreamed that he, he, would, uh, he would come and rule over his brothers. So some of his brothers were uh, really mad at him and uh, they put him down a well and then they thought better of it and they took him out and they sold him to Egyptian traders. So Joseph ended up in Egypt as a slave in Potiphar's house. And then Joseph was put in prison for something he didn't do, and he was there for some time. And then, then he was able to interpret Pharaoh's dream, and he becomes the, the second in charge to Pharaoh in Egypt. And then... A famine comes and his brothers come and they want to buy some food from Joseph. So as it comes through, there are a number of uh, painful meetings between Joseph and, and his brothers and then meeting up with, with their, their father again. And through that, there's, there's comfort and, and reconciliation. But even that is not the focus of the story. Joseph says to his brothers at the end, don't be afraid, am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So all, all of the story becomes what God is doing to transform people's lives through, through the circumstances of, of Joseph and, and his family. I, I said there were few ideas that really transform life, even though there are many ideas that are put forward. So how, how does Paul's ministry lead to deeper transformation? And, and really he's, he's speaking beyond just ideas, he's not putting out just some ideas that we could change some things, he, he's talking about a deep uh, experience of the Spirit of God. And, and God, our God, is the, the all-transforming all God. 
the God who transforms all things, transforms us. And, and it's in God that transformation lies. And like Joseph speaking to his brothers at the end, Paul's always focusing back on God and what God is doing. So God was in Christ reconciling the world. God was the one in comfort. God is the one who is, is generous. God was the one who, who said, my grace is sufficient. So he's, he's witnessing to God in, in life and ministry across all, all these different experiences uh, that we see up there. So it's not just the plain and simple, it's not a ministry of reconciliation or a ministry of giving, but it's the wider ministry of transformation, which brings us together and where God's beginning to work wider change. So, for example, when comfort and, and reconciliation come together, like with Joseph, we can always trust that God's Spirit is there, making for wider changes and, and wider transformation as part of our experience. If, if you think of some people, they, they're in conflict, they, they come back together, and, and sometimes it's said they, they can say that our relationship is better than it was before. There's something that's transformed about that relationship to make it stronger. When giving takes place in trying circumstances, there's a transforming overflow of life in the Holy Spirit. When I think of the young leaders this week and, and you sort of look at them and say, why does this work? Because they're so tired just every day, in and out, and the kids are up and down. Uh, but, but it works and, and there's something that that is good about that and, and changing in, in people's lives. Our elders' meetings this, this year, we, we've had opportunity to, to share our struggles and we've, we've discovered at the, at the point where we're honest about our conviction, it seems that, that, that that's the time that, that God leaves, leads us further. So all, all of these are part of a transforming experience of, of God and, and sometimes just to come and sit in church is, is just a, a great experience of God. The personal point of change for Paul was through God's words and he heard them in his heart, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made complete in weakness. So Paul, Paul sees in his weakness the, the power of God to, to hold his life and his ministry together. So he saw these, uh, these revelations and, and they sort of took him up and above the Corinthians. It was a, sort of this exclusive experience of God that, that Paul had. But, but he couldn't go back to the Corinthians a, a third time on, on the back of a conceit. He'd already struggled with them. They'd claimed a special knowledge of God and here he is claiming all these special relation, uh, revelations. So, so if he went back with that, his, his ministry would probably be over. There would be no sort of real ministry to go with. So he learns that his life and his ministry is sufficient in, in God's power 
without the great revelations, without the great visions. While Paul was proud and strong with the revelations, he, he hears God speak a word of change and it enables him to, to face the Corinthians again in a life-giving ways. And I think he would have known that he, he couldn't face them again without that change. He's even content to lead with his weaknesses and, and delight in his weaknesses, knowing that, that it's only in those weaknesses that it, he'll have a, a deep impact with, with the people. It's a deeply personal story that, that Paul would act in that way. And it was also a lesson that Joseph learned. He didn't learn it as, as a young man. He went to the, his brothers with his dreams and, and the, the revelations he saw, but he, he came across with a, a dose of a large dose of conceit. So at, at the camp, we saw Joseph played in Veggie Tales, if you know the Veggie Tales series, in the, in the episode called Little Joe. So at one scene, he's about to tell his brothers this great dream that he was going to rule over them. And, and Father Jacob's there and he's, he's saying, don't go there, Joe, don't go there. But, but, but he, he did, he didn't listen. But that, the storyline of that whole story comes back to, to God being with Joseph. It just said over and over again that God was with Joseph through trial and weakness and through success and power. And while he uses his power and position in Egypt, he, he sees God's grace and purpose in it to bring a transformation in people's lives. So, so we have the transformational saga of Joseph and we, we know the ending of that. And we have this little snippet that was read to us of, of Paul as, as he re-engages the Corinthians, but we, we don't know where that led them. You are in the middle of a, a story of transformation and God is with, with you. Does it ring true to you that God works through your, your weakness and that his grace is enough for you in your weakness? Where are you going in your experience of God and, and who are you sharing it with to, to strengthen others? Maybe you're not totally convinced. It may seem a stretch to say that we should lead with our weaknesses or, or delight in our weaknesses and not with our strengths. And perhaps you've not heard God speak to you that you know, your weaknesses um, are important, like, like he did with Paul. We talk of strength-based counselling, so we, we don't focus on weaknesses and, and forget our strengths. People sometimes forget their strengths because they see only their weaknesses. Another famous counsellor says we can start with our weaknesses and, and already something is arising in us to overcome our weakness. There's always something there that, that changes us. We don't stay in our, our weaknesses. So I don't think this is what Paul's speaking about. It's not about belittling ourselves so others can take advantage of us. Paul wouldn't have any of it that, that people could brag over other people and he wouldn't have it that, that we should think we are inferior to anyone. 
it just wasn't on to him. There was no comparing of people. But when we reflect and consider our own life story, our own life saga, if you see it like that, it's often at the points of weakness that we discover God has brought change to lead us through. So we're talking here of the points of transformation which make us strong in ministering to others. So be proud. I think this is Paul's point. Be proud you are not inferior to anyone. So where are you finding transformation? Where is God speaking to you about yourself and the way you minister with others? Where is the Spirit of God stirring in us at UBC? Is it a deeper comfort? Is it a, a broader piecing together of relationships, picture of the heart being mended? Is it an overflow of, of generosity? Is there a, a change as you encounter ill health or in the face of dying? Is there a transformation for you? And finally, is, is there a difficult circumstance where, where God is addressing his word of grace to you? Thank God for his overflowing comfort. Share your struggle with others. Work in partnership with people and see God transform the world through you. Let's pray. Loving God who is with me, gracious God who um, leads me to change. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your grace every day. Thank you for your grace in, in trying times. And thank you that you make us ministers to other people through your grace. We pray that we would uh, know your love through this week and uh, we would be uh, your servants to the people about us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.